Welcome to the US Sports Podcast with me, Max Whittle, where every episode I have a conversation with a big name from the world of American sports. This week, Tim Rohan of the MMQB and Sports Illustrated joins me, and I've been looking forward to this one to dissect the story we worked on together for the MMQB and Sports Illustrated just over a month ago here in London, 24 hours with Jacksonville Jaguars owner Shad Khan. Tim and I met on the 21st of September, and for the next four days, we shadowed Jaguars and Fulham owner Shad Khan. We did not leave his side for a story you can now watch and read on Monday Morning Quarterback and also SI's YouTube channel. We partied on his yacht, the Kismet, which is mightily impressive. I promise we'll get to that. We captured Shad Khan doing yoga, and using the cross trainer all on said yacht, of course. We spent Saturday afternoon taking a charter boat from his yacht all the way to Craven Cottage in West London to watch the other club he owns, Fulham FC. And then Sunday, less than 48 hours after Donald Trump said in Alabama that NFL owners should fire any player who protests during the national anthem, we were at Wembley Stadium as Shard stood in arms with his Jacksonville Jaguars players before they took down the Baltimore Ravens 44-7. It was a thrilling and emotional four days. And right now, I'm going to bring in Tim, who's based in New York City, and we're going to break down everything that happened working on this story. He's Tim Rohan, writer for the MMQB and Sports Illustrated. Tim, good to have you with us. How are you doing? Max, it's a, it's a pleasure and it's an honor. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You know what? I tried to get you on my podcast before we actually met, before you came to London. I emailed you and you completely blanked me and it's your own bad luck that you managed to come to London and find me again. Max, in my defense, you know, I think you emailed my work email and I, I hardly ever check that email and you know what? If I, uh, if I offended you in any way, I apologize. I'm just uh, really bad at emails. You didn't offend me, don't worry. We had quite the three days. Um, it was a 24-hour story, but it, it kind of went over 24 hours. Um, and I think you should know that, first thing off, because of so much happened while we worked on this story, I don't think I've ever had more notes for a podcast. Um, the first thing I wanted to ask you was, you wrote the story. You know, Where would you start? What did you expect coming to London? I mean, uh, that's a good question. I guess just expected, I mean, we had planned out. I mean, we had talked to... Uh, Jim Woodcock, Shad's uh, kind of personal PR guy, we kind of talked out about, okay, this is Shad's schedule for Saturday and Sunday, and, you know, we kind of had a mapped out, like, okay, this is when we're going to be with him, this is what we're going to be doing, we're going to the soccer game, we're going to have brunch on the yacht, go to the soccer game, uh, hang out with him a little bit that night, and then go to uh, go to the, the game at Wembley the next day. Um, and then the Trump stuff happened on, on Friday or whenever it was, and that just completely flipped the script, man. I mean, you know, that, I mean, we obviously we had no idea that was going to happen, and that just changed the entire dynamic of the story. And we'll get to that because I think on that Sunday morning, we weren't sure what we were going to get at Wembley. We weren't sure what Sharp was going to do. But when he arrived on the Thursday, or we met, obviously, Jim Woodcock, his PR man, and we went to Craven Cottage. And I remember he arrived, and we got this great dialogue from him about his haircut. He was talking to the guys at Fulham about how his wife made him cut his hair and it was um, talking about the barbershop as well and how much hair he could see coming off of his head. Um, and I also noticed his shoes and just the aura that he had about him. It was, it was pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we had never met him before and he, he steps out of his car and he's got, a, he's got a brand new haircut. He used to have hair down, you know, down the middle of his back and, you know, even Jim was like taken aback. Yeah. I mean, it was a, quite the entrance. 
You know what as well? Do you remember the interview he did when he was work for the Fulham website and he sat down with a guy who interviewed him for literally, I don't know, but maybe two minutes and... I was thinking, is this what we're, we're going to get? Is this what it's going to be like for us? Because he was answering like cliche 10 second sound bites. Yeah, it was, uh, I knew you were kind of freaking out there. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, we had no idea. You know, I don't think anyone spent two days with an NFL owner. I don't think any, you know, for something that's supposed to be kind of unfiltered um, behind the scenes access. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I've ever read or read a story or watched a video that was you know quite like this. I mean, you know. This was pretty cool. We didn't get to his moustache for the story. Uh, that was something that a lot of people may have asked you since you wrote the piece because you asked his team on the yacht, um, you asked him if we could capture that, and you said in the story that he's grown it since he was 22 years of age, 1972, and he hasn't gone without it since. Was that like one of the core things that you wanted to capture? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think for the vast majority of people that you know, don't know, you know, if you know anything about Shad Khan, you know, what's the one sentence, uh, you know, if you're a sports fan, what do you know about Shad Khan? He's the owner of the Jaguars, uh, the guy with the cool hair and the cool mustache, and, uh, you know, first Muslim, uh, first, you know, non-white owner in the NFL history. Um, So, you know, that was his quick bio, and I knew, you know, I don't know, I... I've got facial hair and long hair myself, so it's kind of a, a self kind of obsession. So I knew I wanted to ask him about it. And I just wish, I, you know, I was hoping he would let us kind of get on camera what, what he does to kind of manicure that mustache. But uh, that was the one thing he, he kind of put, put his hand up for. So to set the scene, he arrives on Thursday. We meet. Um, Friday is kind of our work day where we have to – we meet Shard – on his yacht for lunch and we this is the day where we really have to establish what we're going to get out of him and that was that was the that was a hard sell at times and then we would go to Fulham on Saturday and then Wembley on Sunday but Thursday night it all kind of started he had this party on his yacht uh, I think you said it was 175 guests this is a 200 million dollar beast called the Kismet you had the you didn't have a coat you didn't bring a coat to London I told you to bring a coat it's getting cold and you bought the world's most giant coat and colorful umbrella you're walking down the street to the to the boat to meet me and it was like a movie scene honestly <laughs> Max, you should <laughs> i did you're right i completely ignored your advice i i was like i i grew up in the midwest in the united states where it's you know snows for four months out of the year i was like i'm gonna be fine what is it, in the 50s i don't need a coat i'll be fine i get there it's freezing i can't deal with it I had to go out and buy a coat from Zara. I actually bought a, a coat that I was very proud of, but you're right. It was kind of like a monstrosity thing. And uh, and then it started raining, so I had to buy an umbrella, and I bought this rainbow-colored umbrella. So we were we were arriving to the boat party in style, or my first yacht party, your first yacht party, I presume. You know, it was uh, we had to show up in style, Max. We did. Um, the, the only reason I wanted to get you on, really, was to ask you, if you do you still have the coat? Of course I have the coat, and, you know, it's one of my prized possessions. It's uh, it's about to get cold here in New York, so I'm going to be wearing it around, and I'm always going to remember it as my, you know, my Shad Khan yacht coat. So. <laughs> yep, and we also turned down the photo op with the roar of the Jaguars before entering the boat, and then, you know, one of the first things you notice is everyone takes their shoes off to go on the yacht. Uh, you, can, you could have worn flip-flops, you could have just gone bare feet, but 
we had our shoes off, we went onto the yacht, and I mean, there's two questions I had for you, because uh, you listed everything on the, in the story about what he had on the boat, but what was your favourite room, and then obviously we'll go on to the conversations that you had on that night. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was, uh, I mean, where to begin, favourite room on the yacht, I mean, I, I just... Well, first of all, going back to the whole the shoes and the slippers thing, I mean, that was like, uh, that blew my mind. Like, here are, you know, all these, like, famous people in London, all these, like, lawmakers and uh, business people and bigwigs and famous soccer players, and here they're getting on this yacht and they have to check their, their, they have to check their shoes. They're walking around in their socks, like it's, you know, like it's, you're going over to a friend's place and they're like, uh, you know, use a coaster. Like, you know, it was just, I, 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 I found that hilarious uh, but apparently that's uh you know common practice apparently that's kind of just how things work when you own a 200 million dollar yacht you, you know you make people take their shoes off because they've got satin carpets um i think uh my favorite room on the yacht i don't know i mean i uh, i i love the the grand entrance um i love the grand atrium right there at the beginning uh you know, with the spiral staircase and like the bar right there and the, the grand piano or I don't know if it's a grand piano, but the nice piano right there. But my favorite feature, I, I love to play basketball. My favorite feature was how the mast could be turned into a basketball hoop and you could, the staff would put up netting and you could just play, shoot hoops on the, on the dock of, of the kismet. I mean, that's just incredible. Yeah, that's insane. I, I stumbled across that just walking. I was like, this this is definitely a three-point line we've got here because the basket wasn't up at the at the time. But there were there were a few rooms that, you know, captures everyone's attention. First of all, there was a lift. I mean, that's not a room, but there was an actual lift, an elevator in the yacht. That's how big it was, five decks. And the spa, which we'll go on to, which we were at, we, we were in there on Saturday. He, the spa he's got is incredible. I mean, next to a barbershop, Next to the gym inside, it's got everything you want. Steam room, jacuzzi, there's a there's a bath in there, there's a massage table, and he had the you know, the relaxation music going on. Uh the flush was incredible in the bathroom, the taps were made of gold, and there was just chocolate everywhere, everywhere you went. I mean, this was a film. <laughs> I, I was hungry there was at just every point. Chocolate everywhere. <laughs> oh my god. You're right, there was. I mean, it, it was down to the detail where they had at the bar for bar snacks. They had peanut M and M's out. Now, who puts out peanut M and M's as your bar snack? Like everyone loves peanut M and M's, but you know, just that level of detail is just so you know so cool. Peanut M and M's. That's way too tacky, though, for the Kismet. I'm sh- there was lint. There was lint there as well. The finest Swiss chocolate. That's more up Shard Street. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, the one thing we didn't mention is the Jaguar that he has on when he's in town on the yacht, the Jaguar at the front of the boat. And it, he said to you before we went to Fulham that the the eyes were made from lights from a Ford F-150. That was the first thing that I saw when we walked on. Yeah, this, this, these blue, blue, shiny lights uh, for eyes. Yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. I mean, it's just... People were, I mean, the guests at this party were stopping and literally taking their photos in front of the yacht, in front of that Jaguar statue at the front of the yacht. I mean, it's it's a sight to behold, you know. And $1.2 million a week to rent it. You you said Bill Gates was on it before this. Uh, you also referenced helipads. Where were the helipads? I know, you know what? I was, I, I didn't see the helipads for myself, but in a... In another description of uh, of the yacht that, that I confirmed uh, with Jim, 
there are apparently helipads on the yacht. So, you know, if you wanted to land it, I'm sure, I'm sure you, you can land something on that. I mean, it's big enough to do it. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and obviously you're writing this story. You've got the famous Rohan notebook with you. Who, who did you meet on the yacht that night? Who did you want to talk to and who did you, who did you stumble across that you didn't know was going to be there? Uh, that night, I mean, it's, that night, that first night, Thursday night, it was kind of just, uh, observational, you know, I think Mm -hmm. you and I kind of, you know, you didn't bring your camera that first night, uh, we just kind of went in to kind of get the lay of the land and see how things would work, um, so, you know, it was, it was good to, you know, I think you and I, we, we spoke to Jim a little bit, we did talk to Tony Baselli, uh, the Jaguars, great. Uh, and, and talk to him for a little bit. Uh, but for the most part, I think you and I just kind of hang back. You know, what was really important that first night, I think, was, you know, we were, I knew we'd only get a certain amount of time on the yacht, but it was good to kind of explore the yacht and be able to see some of it on our own without having to shadow shod. Um, so, you know, we could describe it later or, you know, then you knew coming back the next day what exactly you needed to shoot. And, you know, I kind of had to, uh, so it was good just to kind of explore the yacht for the night. And, uh, also, just kind of taking the scene of Shad kind of entertaining people, you know, it kind of helped inform, you know, how he would act the rest of the weekend. Yeah, I knew exactly where everything was, and I knew what I wanted to get. And we also met a lot of the, the yacht staff, the, the, the staffers that are on there year-round, because they were really helpful in terms of explaining and showing us around the next day. Um, and I know you were really conscious of staying away from Shad for the most part, because you knew... I, I don't think I quite realized that I'd be sticking a camera in his face for two and three straight days so good call on that and we we also had a lot of uh, those little bowls of food i think i might have gone through about 15 of them <laughs> yeah so for the listeners they they didn't have entrees <laughs> they just had these like snack bowls but you know there were it, it was you know this delicious pasta and you know different types of meats or whatever you know I, i'm sure that, i think there was lobster mac and cheese or maybe that was the next day i don't know you know it's just this gourmet food that they'd serve you in these little bowls it was just incredible and one thing you said in the story about how Shard, he needs to show people how they roll were his exact words. And these are all, it's all, he's always talking business. He's always networking. There's always potential partners there. And I, I feel, I know I wasn't around the, the remaining three international series games like I was this one, but I feel like Shard put on a better show than any other owner would have because he knows what London's about. His team's been here for three or four years in a row. There obviously are plans going forward and, between him and the rest of the team, they understand that international expansion is so important to the team, and he just put on a great show. I really felt like I f- felt like he did a really good job. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's clearly fam- he loves London. He's familiar with London, and you know, and also, I mean, he's just you know, you look at the other owners around the league. You know, I mean, they're all very successful guys, but I think uh, you know, Shad's probably one of the better hosts of them all. You know, he's got a great personality. He's a he's a you know, from what we saw, he seems like a good dude. So we got uh, we got candles as souvenirs. They were the lime, basil, mandarin uh, candles from Joe Malone. You gave me your umbrella to end the night and the candle which had your slippers in. So I have so many souvenirs from that day. But as we go into Friday, I felt like this was where we secured all the access. We had to push. We had lunch with Shard. And it was one of those out-of-body experiences. I'm supposed to be at work in my 9-to-5 job. I'm sat on a yacht with Shah Khan and yourself and his uh, PR guy, Jim, we've got a menu for lunch. An actual menu is brought out to us. We're drinking rosé. I mean, <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, you forget that was that we did the photo shoot that morning too. So yeah. uh, for the for you know we didn't know if the story was going to go in the magazine or if we needed photos or whatever, and um, so we did a photo shoot that morning. Um, no, you know, Max, it's uh, you know when you're with Shad, you know, I think the the interesting thing about that lunch was, I mean, we were still getting trying to get to know each other, and um, you know, he was asking us questions, we were asking him questions, so it was kind of a uh, a get to know you session because we hadn't spent a whole lot of time with him Thursday night at the party. So it was nice to kind of talk it out. And, you know, that's when, you know, we broached the idea of, Hey, Shad, we'd love to, you know, we'd heard that he was really loved yoga and Pilates. And, you know, we kind of mentioned it to him then like, Hey, we'd l- really love to see you kind of doing yoga uh, at some point this weekend. And he was hesitant at first, but I, you know, I think, uh, you know, we kind of explained to him, you know, we want to see kind of the normal life of Shad Khan, kind of what happens behind the scenes and, I think he, you know, realized that. And you emailed me a week before you came over, and when you mentioned yoga, I immediately thought, okay, that's that feels like the most important thing for me. Like, of all the... Before Trump said what he said, having Khan do yoga, he looks in good shape, and people don't understand why. Well, this is the secret to it, and I wanted to make sure we got that. Um, and th- for those wondering, on that menu, it was chicken crispy noodles and there was a mango coconut dessert which tim let tim left the mango out um, <laughs> and sean yeah sean gave me crap for it yeah he did yeah i'll you know i'll never forget that um anyway we went to talk sport that day as well which is a radio station here it's it broadcasts 24-hour sports but also as of this season it has all the jaguar bro- broadcasts on it they have an nfl match day live which is almost like a red zone on there so it's a big station and he went on there and I thought that was fascinating. We actually, I actually used a lot of that audio for the film because he talked about how, he, how he, how he manages team, how he owns teams. Sorry, like this sustainable model, and and they understand the cons that they won't be there. Um, the club will be there long after they've gone. Uh, and he's invested a big time. You've got the new Riverside stand at the Fulham ground. They <coughs> want to get back to the Premier League, and and obviously his son Tony is now running the show in at Fulham with his new scouting model. So, you know, you, I, th- I feel like we learned a lot about the way he owns his teams in that interview. Yeah, no, yeah, we did. You're right. Um, and I think an interesting thing about the Riverside stand is, <coughs> um, I don't think that, I don't think this made the print story and it ended up, it was one of the last things I cut because I just didn't have room for it was, uh, you know, I don't know. I saw, I, I saw, uh, markups of what the new Riverside stand is going to look like. And it's going to look drastically, drastically different from what it looks like now. Like, you think of Fulham as this little bandbox, and the, what he has in mind for the Riverside Stand is like this, you know, twenty seventeen, you know, two thousand seventeen worthy kind of modern stand, you know, with shops and restaurants that people can kind of go to on days even when Fulham's not playing, and kind of a nice walkway there along the water and multiple levels, and you know, he's a smart businessman because he knows, you know. This is a way to make money with these, you know, whether you're a fan of Fulham or not, if you want to come visit Craven Cottage, you could do so even when the team's not playing and go, you know, go to the pub or go to a restaurant or go to the wine bar or whatever. And, uh, you know, he's he's just smart, you know. I I think it's going to look pretty. It's going to be different because it's not going to be, you know, the classic Craven Cottage that people know and love. But, you know, it's definitely going to be a better, you know, facility. And for U.S. listeners, Craven Cottage is like the Fenway Park of soccer here. It's it's a very old ground. There's an actual cottage in there. And like you say, the, the new stand, I don't know if it's going to fit well, but something that caught my eye as well, you wrote in the story that 
Shard spent $175 million on Everbank Field. He's hoping to develop the area near downtown Jacksonville. He clearly cares, but the question I have for you was, doesn't, doesn't that make a franchise less likely here because he's spending so much money in the city of Jacksonville? Yeah, I mean, you would think so, Max, right? I mean, you know, he's invested a lot into the, uh, you know, into the stadium, into he's developing a lot. So, yeah, I mean, you talk about these synergies of, um, you know, these synergies of, uh, you know, building around the stadium and especially if he's involved with the development as he is in Jacksonville. Um, you know, I, th- I guess it's just a matter of, you know, even, you know, this is just me speculating. This isn't, you know, I'm not speaking for him now, but. Uh, you know, even if say say for instance he were to develop downtown Jacksonville, and then I don't know saw that the revenue still was stagnant or whatever, you know maybe you know maybe he he realizes in a couple of years that Jacksonville's just too small of a market for an NFL franchise. Like Jacksonville doesn't have any other professional sports team, but they have an NFL team. Um, and so you know, obviously in the story we get into, talk to Mark Lamping, the president of the Jaguars, about how the the one game in london a year kind of really helps their bottom line um and makes things kind of possible for them in jacksonville and expands their profile with sponsors and you know and all that now the trump quote you know he says that all nfl owners should fire players that uh, kneel during the anthem or protest during the anthem that happened on the friday in alabama and we didn't hear i didn't see anything about it until Saturday because obviously we're working on this story and I didn't look at my phone a lot but we didn't hear any chat from well so he I think sorry to interrupt I think Trump said it like Friday night so it would have been you know it would have been like two three in the morning or whatever in London right so and didn't you didn't you learn that Khan was in a a group chat as well with um, Tom Coughlin and a few others before the game on Sunday yeah so you know he he was just talking with um you know, he was talking with the team leaders about like, hey, what's going to happen? Because, you know, the anthem thing had kind of, you know, in the states, the anthem thing is was kind of slowing down until Trump ignited it again with those comments, and then it just blew up, and so no one really knew what was going to happen. There was a sense of anticipation, and I think you felt the same kind of sense of anticipation this past week in the states after uh, Bob McNair made made those comments uh, that appeared in ESPN. Uh, about letting the inmates run the prison. And, you know, like those comments, you know, the players, you know, DeAndre Hopkins walked out of practice and obviously had, you know, the players were going to do something. And so that same weekend after those Trump comments, you had the same kind of anticipation, like, look, the players are going to do something. We just didn't know what. And Chad didn't know what. And he was trying to talk to the leaders of the Jaguars to kind of see if they could anticipate it or get ahead of it in any way. And that was kind of the climax to our story. So just to circle back on, now we're, we're actually starting the story, especially the film, Saturday morning. It was, you know, lights, camera, action. We were in the car with him from his hotel, the Dorchester near Hyde Park. And we drove to the yacht um, and we were going to do yoga with him. But he gets out of the car and I'm always thinking about what looks great. And there's a lady there, one of the yacht staffers waiting for him with a hot towel on arrival she gives it to him and you know they have a conversation about who's awake and everyone's awake he dabs his face and then he goes in and does his yoga so that was a kind of you know doting on him this is what this this is the service he gets and rightly so he's got the money for it um and that was just the first kind of sign that we were going to have a fun day and and we were going to see all sorts of little things like that 
Yeah, you know, it's uh, yeah. I mean, the, the, that was funny. The you know, I think those those hot towels are always so funny because the little tongs that you have to you know <laughs> give them to you know whatever. But yeah, you're right, and that was kind of the first sign. Like, okay, now we're gonna see the the real deal. And he did his yoga with Leanne uh, outside on the yacht. So all the cra- this was in the business district in East London. So you had cranes, you had drilling. It was loud. And he asked his instructor, Leanne, for it to be a hard workout. Um, and, you know, he was breathing intensely. It was it was loud up there. And, and he said to you right after the yoga that, you know, for all of his life, he'd heard presses, machinery, and he was able to be peaceful through all of that. And, and it was all about having utopia every day. I thought that was a great line. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, he's just, you know, he worked his way up. He kind of you know, as an engineer and, you know, working in, in the automotive industry. So he's not, you know, he's no stranger to that, you know, that kind of uh, environment. But have you ever seen anything like that? Because you cover the NFL for MMQB and, and to have an owner doing yoga, what are you, what are you looking out for there? I don't know, anything interesting, you know. I, I think um, I was looking for kind of, you know, reactions on Shad's face or, things Leanne was saying to him or, you know, I think it, I end this end the, se- the first section of the written story with Leanne saying, you know, what are your intentions for the day? And, you know, it seemed like kind of a nice kind of, cause you know, that was a question a lot of people wanted to ask him, right? Like, what are your intentions? Um, and so, yeah, you know, I think you're just, you don't really know what you're looking, you're just kind of, you know, as a reporter in that situation, I think you're just kind of, you're trying to take everything in and, you know, whatever, stands out you know you'll know what you're looking for when you see it if that makes any sense you know then you're like oh yeah like that's and that's something i should be writing down right now um so so he did yoga for 30 minutes and he went down to his his gym which is back inside the yacht this is an incredible incredible um environment to be in honestly and and he said it himself what a location be be thankful for the location and he went downstairs in his gym and this is this didn't make the film because it didn't really make sense to me that you would you would go. We call it a cross trainer. You call it an elliptical. You wouldn't go on that after yoga. You know, you you do yoga last if you were going to do it in an order. Uh, so that didn't really make sense to me. But I love the fact that Adele was on repeat in the gym, and I think we both wanted to ask that question afterwards. And you asked Chad as soon as he left the gym. You know, is it always Adele? And and he said, No, I have nothing to do with that. I don't believe him. Do you? So I asked Leanne, did you, were you not with me when I asked Leanne later? I said, no, uh, no. Yeah. So Shad, Shad blamed it on Leanne. He's like, uh, Leanne's <laughs> the one who picks the music. And so I asked Leanne, I said, so Leanne, why'd you pick, why was it, well, it was like Adele on repeat. It was like, it must've been one of her albums. Like I was shazamming all of them. And, and Leanne's like, yeah, I heard him or we heard, we overheard him playing Adele in his office the other day. Oh. And, and we just have to pick up on stuff like that because he won't say anything. But, you know, if we hear something like that or notice something, we just have to remember, like, oh, yeah, Shad apparently likes Adele. So then, you know, when he's in there working out, they'll put on Adele. You know, it's just like those little cues that they have to pick up on as, as the staff of the Kismet. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, another thing that didn't make the film in this section was that weird machine that he used that it was right after the elliptical and it kind of vibrated. He stood on it and it vibrated his entire body. And, and his face was an absolute picture. What, <laughs> yeah. what, what was that? Do I you know? have no idea, Max. I, I was like, this is too complicated. To, I mean, he, he swore by it, though. It, it did something to, like, circulate the blood in his 
legs and his body. I don't know. You know, it just looked like a vibrating kind of. It looked like a you know like a you st- if you go to the doctor's office and you stand on like a weight to like get to find out how much you weigh. It looked like one of those except it would vibrate and it was mm. yeah. I don't you know he, I wrote down what it was called but I don't remember but he swears by it. Yeah, he does, and and it was he had to wrap up because. I know we went into the spa and that's when he kicked us out. He said, you know, don't follow us in here. Obviously, I don't know what he did, whether it was massage or something else. But, um, you know, I, I spotted a lot of stuff around the the, the yacht. I keep, I keep wanting to say the flat, but that would be doing it a disservice. The yacht, he had camouflage in all of his black shoes around the place. And after the exercise, he hosted this breakfast brunch. So this was this was on Saturday, match day for Fulham. And this is where, I apologise, I said 175 guests for Thursday. That was on Saturday. Um, and this is where you really ramped up the conversation aspect because, you know, you were in full work mode. So who did you speak to and, and what did they say? Yeah, so I just spoke to, um, you know, I spoke to uh, various, uh, I mean, there was a Jacksonville contingent there on Saturday. So Thursday night was more of a London-based crew and kind of like an NFL-sponsored party. And Saturday was more of a Jacksonville Jaguars event. And... Um, so I spoke to Mark Lamping. Uh, I spoke to who's the president of the Jaguars. I spoke to uh, Mr. Harden, who is Shad's lawyer in Jacksonville and involved with the development project. Uh, I spoke to the mayor of Jacksonville, who is another kind of guy who was there all weekend. And then I, I kind of floated around and I talked to people here and there. Um, but those are the three big interviews that kind of you know really played a role in that section. Um, and it was especially kind of Lamping versus the mayor. Um, playing them off because it was you know there's been this question ever since the jaguars committed to playing in london like you know people I, you know the jacksonville market has been you know it's been a question since the, the you know the nfl expanded there about whether the market could support a team and uh you know so there's been rumors or questions about whether shod might move the jaguars to london and to me that was you know one of the more fascinating aspects of coming into this story was you know you know, that question has been lingering for some time and just to see how shot operates in London, uh, you know, I was curious about, but yeah, so I was just talking to different Jacksonville people about what's going on back home in Jacksonville and how they view the whole London, uh, project and all that. How do you think the Jags fans feel? Because I think someone, someone during the course of this story said to us that, you know, most of the Jags fans aren't even from Jacksonville or they're not even from Florida. So did you sense that there was a more of a likelihood that there would be a London team having been at Wembley and having been around the owner? So what are you asking what are you, are you asking about whether I think there's going to be a team in London or are you asking uh specifically the Jags, yes. Yeah, I mean, uh I think I think Jags fans in the back of their minds are a little worried. But you know, they see, I mean, and that's what the mayor pointed to. You see like we talked about the the money that Shad's pouring into downtown Jacksonville and pouring into the stadium. And it's hard to be that concerned, um, you know. And honestly, if 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 something were to happen, I still think it's, you know, ten, ten, to, you know, a long ways away. You know, I don't think anything would happen. I mean, I think it. I mean, it was just. It's so easy to think of a team relocating just because, you know, the Chargers and the Rams and now the Raiders have all you know planned on relocating within the past couple of years now. So. But before that, you know, when was the last time an NFL franchise relocated, and especially one to a different country? You know, that's that'd be a monumental kind of up, up, you know, project and and task. So um, I didn't get the sense that anything is anywhere close to being happening. You know, and I think 
you know, if, if, if it were to happen, if the Jaguars were to move to London, there's still a lot that has to be resolved. And, you know, you know especially with this, de- this downtown development project in Jacksonville is still going on. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, Chad can still do the downtown development project and move the team to London. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, he'd, he'd want to see what it looks like with the project complete before he did something. You know, this is me speculating here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think if, it, if any team were to move to London, I think it would be the Jaguars. Um, but e- even so, I, I, you know, I think it's years away if, if it were to happen. But people put, assuming that here, I mean, the second film I did for the MMQB a, a couple of weeks after this one, um, following a Saints fan to Wembley, and he kept saying to me, you know, the Jags were the team because there are a lot more jerseys of the Jags these days. Because they come over here, everyone's adopted them as their second team, and no one's worried about the fan base not supporting them. Because if you take your kids to the NFL now, in 10, 15, 20 years' time, they're all going to be Jags fans anyway. And unless you are a Titans fan or a Texans fan or whatever it is in London, you're playing the Jags, you will support that team because I can tell you, I tell you, last week, Browns Vikings at Twickenham, there was a red zone highlight that popped up on the video screen inside the stadium and it was a Jags highlight. They were scoring a touchdown and everyone cheered. And and this is like a Browns Vikings game and it, it means absolutely nothing to London except it does. The, the fans really feel the connection. They've got a soft spot for Jacksonville. So that's kind of what I've seen anyway. Yeah, that's incredible. No, yeah, I mean, uh, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's clearly. I, I think they talked about that. You know, just kind of the impact of, you know, they feel like they've uh, they build a following over there. Absolutely, and, and we getting back to that party. There was a huge pancake bar, uh, and I spotted an American for sure who asked for bacon. Only got a British sized portion. He left his plate hanging there for the guy to put more on. Um, and, and I think it was just the appreciation to the sponsors from Shard. Uh, he said to you, we've got a number of prospects here. We need to show them how we roll. And they did that. You've already mentioned Mark Lamping. Uh, there are a million smoothies on the table. And there was a Bloody Mary bar. I mean, this, this wasn't work. This was not work, Tim. <laughs> yeah, <when> you're just... <laughs> Max, you know, we were there to observe, man. We were there to... to, to, to we are there to, to find out what... <laughs> What, what kind of smoothies they were or, you know, or the, how good the bacon was, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, it's, it, it was a once in a lifetime assignment. So it was, um, and we saved a couple hundred pounds definitely with the charter that we got from his yacht. Um, we took a clipper charter all the way to Craven cottage. So if you don't know geography of London, we basically went from East to West on the river Thames. It was a long journey and we saw pretty much every London landmark, um, I wonder how much that would have cost, but it was pretty cool. And we, you got a chance to interview Shard on the Clipper. It was probably the first time or second time we he had a you know some decent downtime with him. He was talking about Fulham and and how it doesn't split opinion because I can tell you no one here dislikes Fulham. And he was saying to you that if anyone's looking to pick an NFL team here in the UK, you know they don't. The Jacksonville Jaguars are a popular choice because Fulham doesn't split opinion like a Millwall would. Exactly. Yeah, it was just it was interesting. He didn't want to have a, a divisive um, English soccer team, um, and yeah, I mean everyone loves Fulham, and they've got the American connection too, Full America, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, one of the more fun things about this film was watching his reactions at the Fulham game. Now, you know, he was in the chairman's lounge before the game, and again, you just wanted to eat food. In fact, there were so many times where you just wanted to eat, but you had to film or write whatever it was. Um, 
But we mic'd him up for this. Now, this was the first time we'd had him mic'd up. Um, and, you know, I don't know if you heard this, but it was in the film, and Tony's son was sat next to him. And he said to his dad, did you say you were mic'd up? And Shard said, yeah, it's fine. Uh, it didn't feel like it was fine, but, it, you know, we, we needed that because his reactions were so amazing. He was so locked into the game. Yeah, you know, and exactly. I mean, it was just so cool to see... To hear it, you know, you don't you, you get players mic'd up on the field, and that's always a cool aspect of, of football broadcasts when they're able to do that and see a, an owner mic'd up as he's watching his team play. Like he was so into it, like he was just living and dying with every play. You know, I don't know. It was just uh, it was really cool to see. And then you know, we did catch him uh, dropping a few f bombs there in the second <laughs> half, which uh, you know. He was he was a you know for all we uh, for all the access we had you know he took it about as well as any owner would take it I think you know I mean I think there were times when he was kind of sick of seeing us or sick of having us around but he was very polite and very hospitable the whole time and you know we couldn't have asked for a better subject in that regard I agree and I love the moment when he would react to to whatever was going on in the soccer game and then he would suddenly ask his son to the left you know who was that he would. He'd be so angry at, you know, whoever missed the I think the that shot. might have been, you know, in his defense, I think that might have been uh, maybe an eyesight thing or something. You know what I mean? The play's going on so fast, maybe he didn't see a number. But, you know, I don't know if it's... Yeah, he seemed like he knew his stuff pretty well, you know. He knew his stuff. I don't think he's obviously... I think Jim was is really locked in. He said he watches Fulham every weekend, and Tony's obviously working for the club, so... And he's got Jack. He's got the Jaguars as well. It's difficult, um, but you know what I think made the film. I was looking forward to speaking to you about this particularly. Was that he decided to stay inside for the second half, and I think personally that helped us more than it more than it helped his stress levels because we had his wife Anne, who he'd met at school, uh, in the room with him. Alistair McIntosh, the CEO of Fulham. It was intimate and it was emotional. And then we the game finished one all, and both teams scored in that half. So. Fulham have got one of the worst home records. They go 1-0 up. Shard goes mental. He starts hugging Alistair. And then they, Middlesbrough equalise with like the last kick of the game almost. And, you know, as you said, he dropped an F-bomb. He was, he was, he was really pissed. And he took, the, he took the mic off immediately on the full-time whistle. He took the mic off and he just gave it back to me. That kind of said it all. <laughs> I know. I mean, exactly. I thought that was very fortuitous that he... You know, because when he's in the stands, he's not talking to anyone. There's no real dialogue other than, you know, the the groans or whatever. He's screaming at the ref or whatever. But, you know, when he was in the suite, he was in the owner's suite, like, uh, you know, hit, hidden off, you know, underneath the stands. He was quiet. He was talking to Alistair. He was talking to his wife. There was a little bit of some back and forth that we were able to see that was kind of cool. Um, you know, it's and then... So we saw him both as kind of a fan in the stands and also, you know, got to see his true kind of inner dialogue, um, you know, in, in a private moment there while watching the team. So if I said to you, what was Shah Khan's biggest OCD watching Fulham and Jacksonville, what would you say? Was it uh, drinking his uh, sparkling water? <laughs> it was indeed. Yeah. He kept going back to it, didn't he? He, uh, I think he was a little superstitious about it. That didn't make the story, but... He, uh, I, I think it was it, it was superstitious, especially during the Jags game. Like when they went up, I think he he might have said something to the waitress, like oh, "I gotta gotta stick with the sparkling water," you know. So he he's got a little superstitious uh, attitude about him. And he had a when he walked across the pitch after the game. You missed this, but he had a chat with Kevin McDonald, the standing captain for Fulham, and 
he said uh, before this that there's a lot of football to play and then he spoke to Kevin about the the late equaliser and then Kevin, it was really one of my favourite lines, Kevin said to Shard, so your team played tomorrow at Wembley and, and Khan replied, my, my team played here today. Uh, so Kevin said back again to him, you know, I mean the other one, you know, the other one. And Kevin had a ticket for the game at Wembley, but Shard invited him to the suite and obviously we saw him come up uh, with his partner to the suite. So again, another example of how Shard treats his players well. Um, yeah, that was a nice then, moment. That was a nice moment. He, he, he told, he told, he told him too, right? Like we need to show, uh, you know, we need to show your girlfriend or I you know, I don't know her relationship to him, but we need to show your girlfriend that, uh, you know, that you're a big deal around here. So, yeah. you know, and it, that was, you know, it was a really cool, you know, shot gets people. I don't know. So that was a nice moment. So are we agreeing that th- this was about the time when Shard finally saw the Trump comments just before the game ended on Saturday? Yeah, no, just after the game. So Shad and his family and friends are mingling about in that suite underneath the stands, and Jim Woodcock, the PR guy, and Lamping kind of huddle up with with Shad and you know say, "Hey, Shad, look, you know people are asking for comment. You know Trump said this thing last night in the U.S. Blah blah blah," and they kind of agree to you know not release a statement then and just reconvene in the morning, and then you know the story kind of cuts to intermission at that point. So what happened that night? They went to an Indian restaurant. The family and obviously we we weren't involved uh, in that. Uh, Shard said to you that the best Indian food was in London and Toronto. Um, but you wrote and we mentioned it at the top of the show that he had a message group with Tom Coughlin and Co. How you found out via Jim? Did you did you did they have any understanding of what the players were were going to do or what they were planning and what Shard might might do to react? Um. Yeah, so I mean, they're they're just they didn't know. That was the one unknown was they knew that the players were going to do something, but they didn't know what, and so they just wanted to be prepared. And I think it really picks up like when we we I mean we were lucky enough we got to ride over to Wembley with Shad in his car, mm-hmm. and you know that was fascinating because Jim and Shad are talking on the way over. Jim is receiving text updates from PR guys at the stadium who are literally reporting back to them. Hey, the players are circling up right now, and they're planning on doing something. And Calais Campbell, right? Calais Campbell, yeah. And we're, and uh, you know, we're sitting next to him. You and I are sitting next to him as Shad is hearing this for the first time and kind of processing it. Like, okay, so you know, they really are going to do something. We need to. And to his credit, he just said right there in the moment. We I, we asked him the second after Jim said that, and he was just like, "We're going to go to the stadium." and see what the players want to do and support them in whatever they want to do. And there wasn't any hesitation. There wasn't any hemming and hawing on his part. Uh, if anything, Jim was kind of like, well, well, you know, we'll look like if they're, if all of them are kneeling, like, you know, we need to talk about this and you know, what message that's going to send. And shot the whole time is just like, we're going to support the players. He's like, I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't kneel, but I, I support their right to do so. If that's what they want to do. Um, so. Yeah. He kept saying, God bless them. He, he was, he was understanding even if he didn't necessarily agree and what I think what made it more intriguing for both of us was that you know Peter King obviously editor-in-chief of the MMQB and all the writers on your staff they were all you were all emailing each other about how you were going to cover this because it was such a big story in the US like absolutely huge and the 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 narrative here the thing that was kind of the the elephant in the room was that Khan had donated a million dollars to Trump's inaugural campaign so that was hovering in the background, and plus the fact that this game was kicking off at 9.30 in the morning Eastern time, so Khan was going to have the first opportunity to either not do something or do something, and I think he knew how important it was to, to show solidarity. 
Exactly. You know, and I think, you know, I don't I not while we were around him, I didn't get the sense that he, you know, I'm sure someone told him like, Hey, people were talking about on the internet about how, you know, you don't donated to Trump's, uh, presidential campaign. Um, I'm sure he was aware of it going into, um, that, you know, it, it was out there and that people were aware of it and talking about it. But so he knew, I mean, he knew that, you know, all eyes were on him and on the Jaguars, you know, that day in London and in London where they've, it's kind of their second home. And, you know, he, I thought, you know, the way he responded was very smart and very, you know, respectful. There were a couple other things in that cab ride as well. You wrote that Khan had been the rare owner to already come out and say that he'd support signing Colin Kaepernick. Obviously, now we know recording this, Kaepernick's still unemployed. Um, and he said, you know, you asked him, why haven't the Jags signed him? And, and Khan said he'd left it up to the football people, namely Coughlin. So, I mean, did you did you believe all the stuff he said about the system and the offensive system, the players that they already have? Did you yeah, believe I, what he was saying? I think so. I mean, you know, I mean, that's been the common refrain for people that for teams that haven't signed Kaepernick. And also, you know, uh, the Jaguars have, are in a unique situation because they need to see if Blake Bortles is the answer, you know. So mm -hmm. if you bring in a, a backup who is going to really push him, you know, for playing time, you know, I don't know that that could not. Now that's not to say that you know I don't know what happened. You know, I don't I don't know what the, what factor into the decision making process if Kaepernick's anthem protest you know weighed a certain amount in the decision. But all I know is you know we asked him the question and that's what he said. Um, and also you know I think there's some places where you know Bortles you know and this was also early in the season, right? The Jaguars have kind of shown like you know they may be you know, a borderline contender this year, right? Um, yeah. Well, when, when we were supposed to record this a couple of weeks ago, they had, I think it was the best offensive rating in the Amer America. We would think it was some AFC, one of the, some yeah. of the highest points or the highest offensive rating. So they've, they've done all right. Yeah, exactly. And, and Bortles actually played out of his mind that day in London. So, yeah, you know, it was kind of a, but, you know, we asked him about it. It was kind of, you know, I don't know what to, I don't know if that's the truth. I don't know. You know, I'm sure. You know, fact, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. You know, if he's saying that it was up to Coughlin, you know, is that uh, is that really what happened? I don't know, but that's the way he's kind of portraying it. And you know, to his credit, he has said, you know, I mean, he's putting his on his pe football people, but you know, he it is. I mean, it is somewhat brave. You know, there has been no other owner who's been like, yeah, we would love. You know, I would, I wouldn't block a Kaepernick signing you know I, I think he's I think he might be the only one that's kind of come out and said that right I don't know have you seen have you seen I think else? no I haven't I haven't heard anything else I don't think uh, mo most owners don't want to be don't want to get involved with that they don't want to say anything uh and the he might be the only guy as well that does a Windsor tie on his leg because that was the other thing in the cab you know he was putting his tie together on his leg and then his wife Anne from the front seat asked him you know are you doing it on your leg and Shard said yes and his his dad taught him how to do it and he put the tie on and then we kind of in the film we flashed towards Wembley and he arrived straight to the locker room where you had Doug Marone, Dave Colwell, Tony Khan, Jim, the captains of the team they were all in there for about 40 minutes right and we and you got the call finally that you know Khan was going to Kind of stand with his players, and that was that was when I realized, okay, this is going to be a a big moment. You've got to you've got to get this right. Yeah, exactly. You know, we kind of just stumbled into this thing. Um, you know, having set up to hang out with him on this weekend, and you're right. You know, at that point, it's just kind of like, okay, let's let's watch and observe and take it all in.
Do you think he was a silent observer in the in the locker room, or do you think he would have said something? Uh, you mean during the discussion with the team leaders? Yeah. It, from the way it was um, relayed to me, was he did a lot of listening, right? And then he spoke up. He spoke up at at a moment when, you know, he showed his support. You know, I think that's that's probably was the the smartest way to go about it, right? Like let the players and the coaches and and Coughlin do their talking and say their piece, and then. You know, once there's a consensus or the players kind of feel comfortable about what's going on, show your support for him. And I think that was his plan the whole time. But the nice thing you wrote about the, the anthem, Telvin Smith, who was next to Khan, after the anthem, Khan whispered to him that he's going to remember it for the rest of his life. And that was that was pretty cool. They shared a moment there. And even Fred Taylor, before the anthem, came over to Shard, understanding what he was about to do. And just, I don't I didn't hear what he said, but there was, an, a, you know, there's some gratitude there, obviously. So... That was powerful, and there was a huge uh, roar from the crowd, deafening almost. When after the words, the flag was still there. I I couldn't couldn't believe how loud it was, um, and I think that was when you first got reaction from you know this is what players are actually doing, and the whole team was pretty much in unison there. It was the first time we saw that really. Yeah, no, I mean it was a really cool moment. You know, it was the first kind of reaction to Trump's comments. Um, and you said you think there'll be a 30 for 30 on this weekend down the road, right? <laughs> I, I don't know if I said that. I mean, I, I may have said that in passing. Well, you know what? I mean, Max, I mean, you know, it, it, there might be a 30-30 about this whole season, you know? Um, just about everything that's gone on from Trump to Bob McNair to Kaepernick to, you know, Kaepernick not having a job. I mean, this is bigger than a 30 for 30. This is, you know, I don't know. This is, uh, you know, this is the story of the NFL season. Uh, it's dominated the entire season. So, it's, you know, at this point, it's more than a 30 for 30. It's, you know, it's just kept going and going. One thing that will never make the camera, though, and I learn, you always learn on these shoots, never turn the camera off. And you not, you nearly got me beaten up or thrown out of Wembley because we, we, Shard Khan um, ran into Steve Bashotti, the Ravens owner, pregame, and... I got pretty close to the conversation and then I heard one of the security guys say, you know, back up, back up. So I backed up and then good old Tim says, get back in there. We need that. So I just went back in there, not not thinking. And then the security <laughs> guy, he kind of pointed out to, to another security guy that was far bigger than him saying, get that guy off the field. And I, I'd already been warm once. So he, I thought that was the end of the, the film, basically. <laughs> sorry you know i didn't hear him i didn't hear him say that you just stood up to me <laughs> i, 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 I thought know. you would just backed away and i was like no max get in there man what are you doing and yeah you almost got beat up by a security guy it's all about the story right it's all about content um yeah so the jack the jags won 44 7 that was crazy in itself you did some more circulating in that suite uh there was another top-notch food spread did you have any important conversation in there that went into the story wait wait, wait say it again what would you ask in the Wembley suite oh, during the yeah, game. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, At that point, it was, you know, we had so much material, right? Uh, we needed to, at halftime, we got um, we got Shad to do that stand-up interview where we asked mm. him about, uh, you know, asked him some questions more about Trump and kind of what happened recapping the day. Um, but no, I talked to uh, Paul Hardin, the lawyer, who had a few good lines, and I talked to Lamping a little bit. But other than that, it was just kind of gathering scene, you know? We had kind of seen him as a fan at the soccer game. And I think it, because the game was a blowout, there wasn't a lot of tension, you know? So the Jags kind of led from start to finish. So it was pretty quickly just kind of the route is on, time to celebrate. Um, so it was cool 
kind of see that. But we saw the tension the day before at the Fulham game, which was, mm. you know, it, it would have been different if the Jag, if the Jags game had been closer. You know, it would have been really cool to have him mic'd up, but because it was such a blowout, I don't think we needed to. Um, especially, I, after, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say that, but the reactions for me, uh, you probably disagree with me here after what you just said, but I thought that it looked like he cared more at the Jags game. I think maybe that had to do a lot with the fact that everyone around him was was invested in the Jags game. A lot of people didn't really understand soccer, or they weren't all in on Fulham, but he literally screamed yes about five times when the Jags scored a touchdown, and it was a little bit scary. He was he was really passionate when they scored. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, he did show a lot of passion. I guess, you know, my counter would be, we couldn't have like a 10,000-word story in a 25-minute video. You know what I mean? Like, we had, <laughs> like, at some point, you get the point, like, okay, he cares about his teams, you know? Like, and then, to you know, to what degree, you know? Um, you know, so I thought it was more poignant seeing him kind of, with the tie at Fulham, all the F-bombs he dropped and how dejected he was, that gives you a sense of, you know, that shows you already, like, how dedicated he is. You don't need to see it, like, four different ways. And just wrapping up here, last few, the, the champagne they had at the end of the game, it was wheeled out, and I remember you saying to me, there's champagne coming, and I made sure I had it ready, and um, Shard said in the in the toast, we'll have to keep this group together, and, and his wife made the toast again. He, she said, to the future... Um, they they went and lost to the Steelers the week after, but that's besides the point. Uh, it was a great little moment to to end your article, um, and it, it just felt it felt like a successful weekend after all that had happened off the field. You know, everywhere we'd been, everything we'd done, it, it was a nice way to round it off. Yeah, exactly. You know, it was a long weekend, man. <laughs> I mean, it was. You know, like we we talked about. We talked about what it was like to own a yacht. We talked about yoga. We talked about Jags moving to London. We talked about Jags developing downtown Jacksonville. We talked about Trump. We talked about anthem protests. We talked about kneeling. We talked about Kaepernick. Like, there was so much stuff in this video, in this story. Like, you know, it was just a, it was almost too much, you know? Like, you get, it's like, it's hard to distill into something that's bite-sized or, or easy for people to consume when you just have so much information and so much scene and so much going on, but you know, it was a lot of fun. You know, I, you know, we had a we had a blast, Max. Right? We did have a blast, and I'm sure that you you realize that when you work with me, I'm always thinking that we don't have enough, and I was always concerned about the next thing. And you're right, we got far too much. And I think, as I said before, Sharp was completely sick of me. And and when we got in the cab at Wembley to go back to the Dorchester and Jim, you know, I knew I had enough. I turned the camera off. Jim made sure I'd done so, but. <laughs> you know Shard turned to me and said you know it's off now right and you know he was very happy to to know that it, we were done right there <laughs> he was I mean he was he was as you know we said he was he was he was great you know he was really he was really nice about it I know you know anyone would be a little bit annoyed after having a camera in their face for two days having a reporter with a notebook falling around and he I agree he handled it really gracefully last one for you then so you start writing this story um, and it's kind of a, a few questions in one, really. When did you decide, you know, what you were going to start and end with? And did you find out during this time in London more than you expected? Yeah, I mean, I mean, as we just said, I mean, I think we we got way, way, way more than I thought. You know, we I don't know. I, I had no idea what to expect going in, and you know, I think we got a lot of great stuff. Um, as far as like the actual writing process, I mean, the, it's a twenty for your listeners. You know, it's a part of this was part of a series called Twenty Four Hours, where we spend twenty four hours with 
shadowing someone in football and we we do a written piece kind of a TikTok written piece in a video and the written piece kind of has to follow some guidelines like it has to be in chronological order and it has to you know have time stamps and all that so it was just a matter of where do we want to start it and you know it started with it started with yoga yoga on the yard and you know it's just kind of like a intimate moment like how often are you going to see a billionaire nfl you know english you know english soccer team owner you know doing yoga on the deck of his yacht um and so that was kind of where we you know decided to start it and it was just it could have been this could have been like you could have cut this up into two different stories into three different stories you know there was the the it starts with the yacht party in the fulham game where he's kind of you know, talking about, you know, we're talking to him and other people about whether the Jags are going to move to London. You get in the Fulham game and what's it like being an owner and living and dying with your team. And you get into, you know, Sunday at Wembley where he's, you know, thrown into, you know, PR crisis mode, uh, dealing with what Trump said and how he's going to handle it with his players. And, you know, it was kind of three stories in one. And, uh, you know, if, if this was, if, if this weren't a 24 hours, you know, we could have written it uh, differently, but you know it was kind of boxed in by the format, and you know it having to be a TikTok, and then it was just a matter of which moments throughout those, you know, throughout the two days we were going to include. But there was just so many to choose from. And I'm sure you can correct me, but that quote at the end where the guy at Wembley said, you know, to you, this is this is how we celebrate, this is how we live right now. Imagine if the Jags start winning. And obviously, I'm paraphrasing that. Yeah. No, he said that at Wembley. Like he said that, like, like that was one of the, I mean, that happened like in order, like after, after we toasted or they toasted and they're toasted with their champagne and they're, you know, Miss Khan says, you know, to the future and they're all hanging out and Paul Harden, Paul Harden was great. He was a great, great guy, a cool character in the story. He's just a funny kind of, you know, he's a great quote too. So he comes over to me, he's like, you know, I remember shot, you know, you just, I didn't even ask him. He's just, I may have asked him about like, partying in shots that's maybe what I, I may have prompted it by asking you about partying in shots suite in jacksonville and he's like yeah i remember shots saying one time hey, this is how we do it when we're two and 14 imagine uh if we start winning so hmm. you know that just that just you know when i heard that i was like this whole weekend's been one big party so that's you know that's the that's the kicker that's the ending right there so we did 24 hours on the story. We did an hour on the podcast. Do, do you think we've covered Shad Khan enough now for the time yeah, being? Shad <laughs> is not going to listen to this podcast. He, he is, he is, he's going to have it on demand on his yacht. He, Definitely. He's, Le, Leanne and company are going to queue it up while he's on the elliptical and he's going to be like, no, 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 <laughs> no. Like he's yep. he's going to be begging them to turn it off. I don't want it. No more Max and no more Tim. Like I, I've had enough. <laughs> Oh my God. I mean, if we, you know, but I think we left on good terms. Thank you to my guest, Tim Rohan of the MMQB and Sports Illustrated for coming onto the podcast this week. And another reminder that you can watch and read the Shard Khan story on the MMQB website. That's Monday Morning Quarterback and on Sports Illustrated's YouTube channel. The link is also on the podcast description for this episode. Please head to iTunes to rate and review the podcast where you can also listen to previous episodes of the show, including Editor-in-Chief at the MMQB, Peter King, ESPN NBA commentator Mike Breen, and NBA commissioner Adam Silver. My NBA buddy in Belgium, Dennis Seidt, will be on very soon. It's been a crazy start to the NBA season. But for now, enjoy the end of the World Series. I've got to say, go Dodgers. Until next time.